This morning, what we're going to be doing as we are in our fifth week in this series on the Holy Spirit, next week we will return to Acts chapter 11. Uh, but we're going to be looking at uh, some introductory thoughts on, on, on the baptism with the Holy Spirit, as well as looking at the gifts of the Spirit. Now, we don't have time to go into a lot of detail with the gifts. Uh, we're going to be mentioning a few things about them as, as the time permits us to do so. But the, uh, this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, really beginning with the first verse, but we're going to be, be starting in verse 4, uh, is uh, the, the classic New Testament passage on spiritual gifts. And one thing I want to remind you all of, many of you are aware of this, in chapters 12 and 14 deal with this in, in a lot of detail. Uh, chapter 14 deals with a lot of detail in regard to the proper use of, uh, the proper exercising, I should say, of the gift of tongues in particular. And one of the things that I've always found interesting, and, and this is no coincidence either, sandwiched in between those two chapters is 1 Corinthians 13, which we call the chapter of what? Chapter of love. You know, it's all got to be centered around love for one another as we exercise our gifts. That's, that's the idea behind it. But let's go ahead and read. I want to read uh, uh, verses uh, 4 through 11. Please follow along in your Bibles as I read. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version of God's Word. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is, it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And Father, we pray that you will give us understanding of, of these things, understanding of baptism with the Holy Spirit, understanding of being, in gift, being gifted and empowered by your Holy Spirit, and, and especially, Lord, understanding why it is that you do this for us. Lord, might we be used, might, might we sit through this study, might we hear these words, might we allow you to place in our hearts these truths that, that, that we might have a balance in understanding at the same time, Lord, knowing why it is you give your spirit to us, that we might bring honor and glory to you and be a blessing to one another. So, Father, have your way. Truly be glorified, we pray, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. 
Before we look into these, these uh, gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, and by the way, we're also going to be looking later in 1 Corinthians for uh, a, a, a couple of other gifts that are mentioned there. In Romans chapter 12, there are gifts mentioned there as well. And, and in Ephesians chapter 4, while it's not so much gifts of the Spirit, uh, it is mentioned in verses 11 and 12 of, of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm, I'm mentioning it, so why don't you turn there real quickly? Uh, we're we're going to be kind of there a little bit later, but as, as I'm mentioning uh, Ephesians chapter 4, okay, I've got to find it here. You know, my... Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Let, let's, let's read that real quickly. These are technically not gifts of the Spirit. But notice this with me. In, first Corinthians, or excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, And he himself, speaking of Jesus, he himself gave some. So these are gifts of Jesus not gifts of the Holy Spirit, but gifts of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. While these are gifts of Jesus, and these really are uh, individual people who hold what we might call offices, the office of prophet, the office of uh, of. Uh, apostle, the office of evangelist, the office of pastor slash teacher, the same office, gifted to the church for the purpose of, as we see in verse 12, that the, that the saints will be equipped for ministry, that they'll be equipped for acts of service and for the edification or the building up of the body of Christ. So this speaks of the purpose of gifts that God gives to us in, in a very real way. So these are things that we are going to be looking at. But before we get into these gifts, I want to do a little bit of a review of what we did when we were back in chapter 2 in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon those 120 who were praying in that upper room. You recall that, that passage in Acts chapter 2. Let, let's, let's turn back to, or, or let's, let's turn back to Acts chapter 2, looking at verses 1 through 4. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then we see the, the uh, explanation of what took place there. Uh, the, these 120 uh, went out outside of the room. They, they, were, they were speaking with these other tongues and the languages that, that others knew and understood that weren't from there and, and amazed that these Galileans were speaking 
the, the, the wonderful works of God in a language that, that they knew and understood, knowing that the Galileans did not know that language. It, it was just an, an incredible, incredible day. But the point is that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church at that time, and these 120 were baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is what the baptism with the Holy Spirit actually is. Now, we want to point out some different ways that this, that this act of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, different ways that it is actually termed in the New Testament. We, we do see that um, in John chapter 1, verse 33, we see that uh, these words are given to us here. I did not know him. But he who sent me baptize, or to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So it is John describing being baptized with the Holy Spirit by Jesus as he is going to come. I didn't know Jesus, but the, the Spirit told me to look for the one that the Holy Spirit comes upon. That's Jesus. So we find that it is described in the New Testament that it is Jesus who does the baptizing with the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John, again, John the Baptist, answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. What a great attitude that is. Attitude of humility. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus himself in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. That verse says, For John, Jesus is speaking, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, one of the things that we need to understand is what the word baptize actually means. It is from the Greek word baptizo. It's, and that's where, I mean, that's where we obviously we get our, our English word. It is spelled B-A-P-T-I-Z-O, baptizo. And it means immersion, total immersion. Um, the, the word is, was used in conjunction with the dyeing of, of cloth, of materials, uh, a, a different color. And we, we've talked about that, you know. Uh, what, what we do today is, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're from, my from my generation or any, any time that you might have wanted to do some tie-dyeing, that's really not baptism because you don't put the whole thing in there with tie-dyeing because it's only a partial thing. But if you wanted to, if you got a white, a white T-shirt, let's say, and you want a, a, a red T-shirt, then you go buy some red, color red, you get your, your solution all ready, and then you dip the entire shirt into that, and it comes out red. But it has to be totally immersed in order for that to happen. That's what the word baptized means. And so some of our fr friends talk about baptism in a different way with a sprinkling, and that's not really what the word means biblically. It, it, it really isn't. Um, but when we consider this, though, as Jesus said, John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So 
being baptized with water, and this is what we'll do. This is what we did at the end of December, or September when we had our baptism. There were a couple ladies who wanted to be baptized, and I had the privilege of dunking them in water. Totally and completely. I think one of them I held a little bit longer than the other. Anyway, you know, it, it's just, but it's a total immersion. That, that, that's what it means. But think about this, being totally immersed with, within, the Holy Spirit of God. Think about that. Totally immersed into God himself. Him totally surrounding us where every fiber of our being is somehow touched by him. Like, you dive into a swimming pool, you're totally immersed in that water. Imagine diving into God like that. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the idea, being totally immersed in the Holy Spirit. Of course, the, 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 the word that is used here is with the Holy Spirit, because it is Jesus who does the baptizing and the, and, and the medium into which we are baptized by Jesus is the Holy Spirit, totally immersed with him, right? So, so that, that's just a, I mean, it, it's a profound thought. It's a profound thought. And I, I, I think that we tend to not take that aspect seriously enough. What a gift to be totally immersed with the Holy Spirit, into the Holy Spirit. Some other terms that are used. We see Luke 24, 49. Jesus speaking says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. That's one phrase, the promise of my Father. We see it again, that again in Acts 1, 4. Uh, but he goes on, Jesus goes on and says, But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's the way that's described, endued with power from on high. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2 that we just read just a few moments ago. And then, of course, Acts 1-4, the promise of the Father. Uh, Jesus speaks about that, and Luke is writing, saying, and being, being assembled together with them, he commanded, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. Uh, th this promise from the Father was first promised through the prophet Joel. We see that in his prophecy in, in Joel chapter 2, as he explains, or as, as, as Peter, in chapter 2 of Acts, after uh, this baptism with the Holy Spirit, and the people hearing them speaking in tongues, and then Peter in his first sermon, after that, explains to them what is happening, what's taking place, and he refers to Joel chapter 2, which had been spoken by the prophet Joel uh, hundreds of years prior to this. Uh, another term that is used by Jesus, we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Endued with power from on high, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. A different way to term this act. And then he goes on to say, And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, 
and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so we, we see the outcome or, or the result, even the purpose of God in baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. We'll be endued with power. He will come upon us and we will be what? Witnesses. We will be witnesses to Jesus. Witnesses to Jesus. That's what the, 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 the baptism with the Holy Spirit and subsequent, subsequently being filled with the Holy Spirit means. And then that's another term. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.4, we read that. Uh, as that took place there in that upper room, Luke wrote, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. So filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so being baptized with the Holy Spirit is being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's as if that's the first filling. Being baptized with the Holy Spirit is the first time you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Separate and distinct from the work of salvation in which he's placed within us, not necessarily filled with him, but in us. The, the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you're giving him control of your life. Being controlled by him. You know, I mean, you, you, act of some, you, you, you can speak of somebody who is really angry, and then he lashes out his wrath or, or her against you. We'll say that, that person was filled with rage, being controlled by that rage within them. That's the idea of being filled with the Spirit. We are being controlled by him. Okay? That, 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 that's what, those are important things to, to acknowledge in that. Now, there's a sequence that takes place in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, our first contact with him is that he is with us. In John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus speaking says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, we've talked about that, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and will be in you. So here we see Jesus talking about two different phases, if you will, of that relationship with the Holy Spirit. First, with us, and then he says he will be in you. Our first phase of relationship with the Holy Spirit is that, he, that he's with us. And, and that, that's the time when he is giving us witness to Jesus Christ. He is... Uh, causing us to see the reality of who Jesus is. He's with us, drawing us to the Lord. He is wooing us to Christ. He, he in his own influence, is, he's not yet in us because we've not yet received Christ, but he is giving testimony to Christ. Part of the uh, one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit in this world is to, give, is to testify of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. And when he brings us to a place where our eyes are opened, to see our need for Christ and the reality of what he's done for us and we, we acknowledge Christ as Savior, then the Holy Spirit comes within us. 
to dwell within us. He will be in you. In John 20, 22, John writes, And when he had said this, when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them. We, we spoke of this uh, earlier in, in the series. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is when he came into them. Receive the Holy Spirit. This cannot be when the Holy Spirit came upon them, when they were endued with power. If that were the case, why did Acts chapter 2 happen? Right? So first, he's with us. Then when we receive Christ, he's in us. And then he comes upon us, as we've already read. Three different phases of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, there can be times, and we see in, in Acts chapter 10, when Peter goes to the household of Cornelius, and he begins to share the gospel, and the Holy Spirit falls upon that household as they're hearing the word of God. It, it, it really looks like what took place on that day is the hearers both received Christ as Savior, which means the Holy Spirit began to dwell in them, and he was poured out upon them at the same time. Two different things happening at the same time. We can't make the mistake of thinking that that's all one action, but it's just two different things happening simultaneously. That's all that that is. That, that takes place at that particular moment. And so, with, in, and upon. There are many believers who Believing in Christ, having uh, uh, acknowledged their need for him, the Holy Spirit placed within them, yet have not yet experienced the Holy Spirit coming upon them for the purpose of witness and service. That's where the gifts come in. That's where the gifts of the Spirit come in, in the, with the idea of, of service to the Lord. Uh, I mentioned out of Acts 1.8, excuse me, out of Acts chapter 2, uh, when we see in verse 4 that uh, uh, Luke writes that, the, that these 120 that were in that upper room praying when the Holy Spirit came upon them, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that's what he calls it. We, we see that later as well. Uh, Acts 4, 8, in the first part of that verse, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, so there was a, what you might call a refilling at that moment because of the act of service that he was about to give to the Lord, to be used by the Lord here. Uh, Acts 4.31, at the end of that chapter, and when they had prayed, they, the, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. These are all the believers at this point who gathered together. The place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking the word of God with boldness. Now, speaking the word of God with boldness, that would be basically the gift of prophecy. We'll be talking about that later. But when we see the gift of prophecy mentioned, uh, we see it both in 1 Corinthians 12 as well as Romans chapter 12. That it's speaking about the word of God being spoken forth. It's not foretelling events of the future, although that is a part of the, the gift of prophecy. That's normally how we think about it. But it is, it is speaking forth the word of God. 
Anytime you guys are, are, are quoting Bible passages to one of your friends or, 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 or a family member as you're just sharing the gospel, you know, you're, 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 the, the gift of prophecy is being used because you're speaking forth the truth of God's word. That, that's what's taking place when that happens. And so, obviously in Acts 4, as well as Peter, or, or, uh, Peter in Acts 4 and the group of people that were praying, they all had been already uh, filled with the Spirit at one time with the initial baptism and the initial filling, but filled again. And this is something that I do on a regular basis, guys. Um, before I get up to teach you guys, I ask for God's filling. If, if the gift, if the, Holy, if the spiritual gift of teaching is going to take place, and we know that the Holy Spirit really is our teacher, I need to be filled. I need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so I, I, I ask the Lord, Lord, please fill me. I want to be used by you. I want you to speak your truth into the hearts of your people today. Something like that, I'll pray. You know, and, and prayerfully, that's what happens. You know, and so that, that, that's the idea uh, b behind that. Now, one, another thing here about this passage here in 1 Corinthians 12, let's turn back there. 1 Corinthians 12, we, we see that there are descriptions of, of the Lord himself, different ways of speaking of the Lord, and, 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 and we see the, the, the source, verses 4 to 6. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Differences of ministries, but the same Lord, verse 5. And then verse 6, there are di diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And so one, one of the issues that was taking place in the, in the Corinthian church, you know, uh, most of us understand that the, the, the letter of 1 Corinthians is a letter of correction. The church was messed up, and, you know, and, 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 and Paul needed to straighten them out, basically. And so that's what the purpose of writing this letter to the church in Corinth was all about. One of those issues was spiritual gifts. That's why we see in verse 1 of chapter 12, if you note in your Bible, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Right? He's introducing now spiritual gifts. Because they were getting all tripped out, you know, that, that, that those who had the most obvious manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, believing that those people were somehow more special than others. That's messed up. That's not God's intent. Not at all. In fact, through the course of 1 Corinthians 12, we see that Paul speaks about the fact that, you know, those who have gifts that, are, that, that seem unseemly, meaning basically in the flesh we don't really notice it, they're really of more value to God than the others. So those of you who are, who are functioning within the church with gifts that aren't all that obvious are really more important to the church than someone like me who's right up front in terms of the gift that I have. You know, gift of teaching, exhortation, whatever may be uh, coming forth through the teaching of God's word, right? That, that, that's really what is being spoken. And, and with these same verses, diversities of gifts, differences of ministries, diversities of activities, note verse seven, for the profit of all. 
we can seek to have particular gifts. One of the things that Pastor Chuck Smith used to like to say is that he prayed and prayed and prayed that he would receive the gift of evangelism. He had the gift of teaching, exhortation, but not evangelism. Um, there were other men around him that with that gift. You know, and some pastors, very, very well-known pastors, have that gift. Greg, Greg Laurie has that gift. Raul Reese has that gift, for example. You know, the, the gift of evangelism. Uh, some of you may have that gift. That's not necessarily my gift, but evangelism has taken place. The Lord has used me uh, uh, through my teaching ministry to evangelize. People will get, get saved within the church, you know. Um, I, I remember on one occasion, years ago, a, a family came to our church from... Uh, Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs, Pastor Ross Church. And um, the family came. Mama was saved, the ki kids in church. Dad wasn't. He would come to church once in a while, but he wasn't saved. But he, he came to our church a few times, and he got saved under my ministry. And I just said, take that, Raul. <laughs> Didn't get saved under his ministry, but he, I just said that in my own heart which was wrong, but it was kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> I thought it interesting that this, this man did not get saved in Pastor Rawls' church who has a gift of evangelism. He comes over here and gets saved here. It's like, why did that happen? I don't know, but God saved him. Praise the Lord, you know, that, that kind of thing. But it, 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 it's just interesting the way that the gifts do indeed function. But we've got to remember this, guys, for the profit of all. I have been in churches, some of you have perhaps as well, where this church had its resident prophet, right? Gift of, 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 of prophecy, but in the, and, and, and a lot of times in a church like that, that person will stand up and speak in a gift of t with, with tongues, and then there may be an interpretation. All wrong. All wrong. The gift of tongues we, we see is not a person speaking to another person in a gift that he does in language he doesn't understand, so that he can he can uh, uh, understand the things of God. No, a gift of tongues is spoken to God Himself. So it's not going to be a word of prophecy. It's not going to be a word of exhortation. It's going to be a praise to God. It's going to be speaking of the glories and the wonders and the works of God. And then, and then an interpretation given so we can understand what those works are that are being spoken of. Now, in Acts 2, the interpretation didn't have to be given because they were known languages that were spoken. But the ones who spoke them had no idea what those languages were. That, that was the, the wonder what took place there on that particular day. So does that make sense? So, so if you ever hear somebody speaking in tongues and then it said, my little children, no. No. That's not, that's not a real gift of tongues. Not a true interpretation. And some of this stuff gets staged in churches like this. <coughs> Excuse me, where, where these kind of things happen. And it's like, 
It's just not of the Lord. Or you perhaps have walked into a church, maybe a little bit late, then you notice that everybody seems to be speaking in tongues. Paul deals with that in, in, in chapter 14. In fact, I would encourage you to, to read through 1 Corinthians 14 once again. We don't have time to go through all this. We, we simply do not. But, but chapter 14 really is all about the proper exercising of the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, where it fits among the gift of prophecy and teaching and so forth. And, and Paul the Apostle is very clear there. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I think it's very appropriate at this point. Uh, Paul writes... Um, in, in that 14th chapter, let me see, a little ahead of my notes here. Let me see if I can find it here. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, in verses 18 and 19 of 1 Corinthians 14, he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. But he says, I thank my God that I do speak with tongues more than all, all of you guys. So he's not discounting the value of speaking in tongues for himself, but he's discounting the value in the sense of ministering to other people. I'd rather speak words that you can understand so that you will be benefited. Now, not that we can't benefit when, pray, when God is praised and glorified by someone. That's not the case. But the edification that comes through word of prophecy from teaching the word of God, giving understanding and so forth, uh, that, that, that's something that is very, very special. Also, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, David, are, are you there? Where, uh, do you know where I'm? Okay, okay. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 to 31. He writes, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after, after that miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I'll show you a more excellent way. And so with this idea of all these gifts that he mentions, as well as particular people that, that, that are holding a particular position, so to speak, or office, apostles, prophets, teachers, and so forth, uh, workers of miracles. I mean, obviously, the people within the church who are, who are functioning in the operation of specific spiritual gifts and known by that, so hence the title that they receive in terms of the office. But he says, earnestly desire the best gifts. Here in that particular verse we see, or in that passage, we see gift of helps, which is not included in 1 Corinthians 12. Many of you have, have the gifts of helps. You know, I, I have to say this. A church can not function without the gift of helps in operation. Cannot. I mean, that, and, and so many of you have, have a gift of helps. You just desire to help. You want to come alongside. You don't necessarily want to be seen. You don't want to be, don't want to be standing in front of people. You don't want to be doing what I, I'm doing right, right now. And... and 
by, by the way, I've shared this with you before. You guys know that in terms of my own nature and speaking in, in, in front of groups of people, uh, you know how in high school, when you're, when you're graduating, they have the, 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 the most this senior, the most that senior and all, right? Um, I was the most bashful senior. That's what I was known as. And, and that's what I was voted by the, by the other seniors. And I thought, well, that can't be really true. Because the ones who are the most bashful, they don't know about that person isn't known by anybody because he's always just, you know, anyway. That was just my theory. Anyway, but no, I, I'm, I'm not a person who naturally likes to stand up in front of people and talk. But you give me a Bible and I'll do it. You know, I, I do enjoy this. That's why I don't let you leave the room later than you want to leave sometimes. <laughs> I'm just teasing you guys. Anyway. But uh, earnestly desire the best gifts. There in verse 31 of Acts chapter 12. And then the words, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Then he moves into love. Defining, describing what love is. Uh, we see the gift of helps there. Gift of ad administration. That's just a person who's able to get things done. Again, essential within the church have people like that here to make things happen. But what are the best gifts? You know, um, if you're in the hospital, probably a good gift to pray for would be, Lord, would you bless me with the gift of healings right now? Or the gift of the works of miracles, for example? Gift of mercy would be good to be able to care for people, things of that nature. If you're sharing the Lord Jesus with, with a loved one, oh, a gift of evangelism would be nice. A gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, perhaps. You know, those kinds of gifts, you know. I, I mean, and, and the bottom line is this. For, for different applications, for I mean, it depends on where we are and what we're doing in regard to desiring a particular gift, you know? But you know what? Even as we might pray for those gifts, we do see here, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 11, one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now, the wonderful thing about this, and R.A. Torrey points this out, it is a Holy Spirit who is God with all of His wisdom, with all of His knowledge, with all of His discernment, with all that He is. He's the one who determines which gift is most fitting for each one of us. Now, I might pray for the gift of evangelism and that, that, might, that might be active through the teaching ministry that God has given to me. Not all of the time, but it does happen. And yet, God has chosen to give me 
the gifts that I have, the gift of teaching, the gift of, 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 of mercy, the gift of helps, service, the gift of service in particular, I think, uh, is one, um, but especially the gift of teaching. And because we see in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, the gift of pastor and teacher, that is something that's linked together. Uh, one of the things that is, that is very essential is the primary work of a pastor is to teach his flock. That's the primary work. So that gift better be there. It really needs to be. But as long as we, we understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who, who is our teacher, he exercises that. He uses that in the gift as he gives that gift to, uh, to, to people. So that's how that works. Back, and we're going to kind of back up a little bit with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I just want to kind of go through all these gifts that are mentioned there in verses um, 8 through 10. There's nine gifts that are there. Those gifts are um, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, again, it's for the profit of all. That's the reason God gives us gifts. We, we've already touched on a, a, a number of these gifts that are mentioned. Word of wisdom is something that just simply comes from God because uh, uh, we're asking to God for God to give us what he alone possesses. In 1 Timothy 1.17, Paul writing, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. God who alone is wise. I, I, I think a standard rule of thought would be, God is wise and I'm not. If all of us could come to that, that'd be great. And then we seek God to give us of his wisdom when we need it. You know, uh, we'll, we'll pray for God's wisdom when we have a choice before us. Lord, I, I just don't know what to do. I, I need your wisdom here. And, and really what we're doing is asking God, you tell me what I should do. You're the one who's all wise. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, it's not like we ask for wisdom, then we go through this thought process to act wisely. I mean, that indeed can happen, but God who alone is wise, say, God, tell me what to do. I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. I need you. You just need to direct me. I will follow that direction. Yeah, we do see that James writes, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will give generously wisdom to the one who asks. So, but it's something that comes from God himself. A word of knowledge basically is, is speaking a truth that can only be known because God told you. Didn't read it from a book. Didn't hear somebody say it. Uh, you can speak a truth uh, well if you're speaking to somebody you know, you know what they're like based on your history with them. 
And you say, I know what you're going to do. Because I've seen this before. Now, even though that person hasn't told you what he's going to, he or she's going to do at that moment in this event, doesn't mean you're receiving a, a word of wisdom from the, a word of knowledge from the Lord, because you're using your reason based on history. Just something that no one can know except God telling you. For example, as a parent, your 16-year-old walks into the house after being out. And you know something's up. Not simply because you can read your, your child's face or, or uh, the way that they're doing things, but God has told you some specific thing. It would have to be specific. That, 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 that would be a word of knowledge. And, and by the way, any of you who are uh, still raising children, I love this because... We can go to the scriptures and say, God tells me things that I would not ever know except for the fact that he just simply tells me. It's a word of wisdom so, or a word of knowledge. So, you know, some things you think you can hide, but he'll tell me stuff. You're like, ooh, okay. You know, works great. really does. But that, that, that's, that's the word of knowledge. The, the, the gift of faith in Acts chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, we looked at this a few months ago. Uh, when, when Peter healed that lame man by the gate called Beautiful, Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Him taking that guy by his right hand and lifting him up was the act of faith. I mean, and we talked about it back then. It's like, what? I mean, what if he had fallen back down? God gave him faith to see that God intended to heal him. I mean, you have a gift of miracles taking place, gift of healings taking place, gift of faith taking place, all in that one act right there. And healings and miracles, I mean, we, we just kind of described that. This is pretty self-explanatory. We've already talked about the uh, prophecy, speaking forth the word of God. Discerning of spirits, that basically is the idea of un understanding which spirit you're dealing with. Good spirit, evil spirit. Spirit of God, demonic spirit. Spirit of man, spirit of God. You know, I mean, that kind of thing knowing what spirit. In, in Luke chapter 9, verses 55 and 56, when, when Jesus was with his apostles, they were going through the area of Samaria, they wouldn't receive them there. And then we see John and James, the apostles, saying, Lord, you want us to do like Elijah, just call fire from heaven on them and just burn them right now? And then Jesus responded this way, verse 55 and 56, but he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. We ourselves can act in a spirit that we do not know of what it really is, thinking that it's something that God wants, like these guys did. Like, James, like uh, 
James and John did. You know, the, the sons of thunder. So discerning of spirits. Tongues and interpretations of tongues. We've already seen that. Um, First Corinthians 12, 27, 31, we've read that already with various, uh, with the different gifts of helps and administrations. By the way, helps is tied to the gift of ministry that we see in Romans chapter 12, which we'll look at in just a moment. But again, just someone who wants to come alongside to, to help out, to serve in some area. Um, and as I said, a church cannot function with these folks or without these folks that are in the church. Um, The Romans passage, in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, let's look at that real quickly. Paul here in this passage has a different list with mostly different gifts in it than what we see in 1 Corinthians 12. One is repeated. It is the gift of prophecy here, but let's read verses 6 to 8 in Romans 12. Having then gifts differing, According to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophecy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Again, we've already spoken about prophecy. The gift of ministry, as we know, the word ministry basically means service. Um, if you've ever noted someone within the church, your brother or sister, and say, you know, that, that person really has a, a heart of service, huh? That's a gift of ministry that we see taking place in that particular individual. Gift of teaching. Uh, we, we've, we've talked about that a bit already as well. We do know that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. We see John 14, 26 that, that says that. The Holy Spirit the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And teaching basically is just simply imparting knowledge to someone. Uh, it can be helping someone to discover knowledge that they don't already have. And this, the spiritual gift of, of, of teaching would be things about God, of course. First Corinthians 2.14 says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You know, that that person cannot understand the things of God and so doesn't have the Holy Spirit. So when that person reads the Bible, and a number of you have told me this is exactly the way it worked with you. You read the Word of God, didn't make sense to you. You received Christ, and it started, started making sense. Why is that? Well, the Holy Spirit gives us that understanding. Now, the gift of exhortation. Pastor Chuck Smith wrote this in his book, Living Water. People with the gift of exhortation encourage and urge us to put into action the things we know we should be doing. With most people, the problem isn't knowing what they should do, it's doing it. That sound familiar? We humans seem to need someone else to urge and compel us to appropriate action. This is something that the prophets of the Old Testament and, and the apostles of the New, you know, uh, um, did, you know. And so exhortation we see all through the scriptures. One of those scriptures we see in 1 Thessalonians 5, written by the apostle Paul, of course. 
in verses 14 to 22. They're short verses. <laughs> now we exhort you, brethren. He says, I'm exhorting you now. Uh, Warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And then we see in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's exhortation. So, so we see the Lord ministering in that way in the New Testament. The gift of giving with simplicity. Some people just have that gift and others don't. Yeah, we all, we all are commanded to, to give in way, one way or another. Again, Pastor Chuck, do you know that God is looking for people to do what he wants done, that he might make them channels through which he can pour his spirit, his power, his love, and his resources. True wealth is measured not by what we keep, but what we give away. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, out of Acts 20, verse 35. And so giving, again, a lot of different ways that we can give. Financially is one of them. It's something that we, we, we need to be doing. It's something that, that, that the Lord commands. But we give of ourselves, we give of our gifts, we give of our talents, we give of our time. We share our family members with one another. Yesterday, I, I went out to, to Calvary Ch Chapel, the bridge, in, um, out in the desert there, uh, past Palm Springs. Um, it was, uh, they were celebrating their 50th anniversary as a church with Pastor Chuck Woolley, you know, and one of the things that was mentioned there, um, one of the speakers thanked his family for sharing him with them, with the church, you know, sharing each other, giving uh, time with each other, and certainly there is a sacrificial nature in all of us who are involved in ministry of whatever sense, you know. If we're called to minister to somebody who's not a member of the family, that means we can't be with the family, right? And so just that, that whole idea, it was, it, was, it was very cool, very cool. And so um, leading another, uh, Pastor Chuck writes again, this is the primary qualification for leadership in all ages. Uh, a man who has the spirit, who is governed and led by the spirit, nothing can ever substitute for this, and the lack of it always is always devastating. And he's speaking about Joshua in Numbers 27, 18, uh, when Moses is praying that the Lord raise someone up to, to replace him, the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Primary qualification for leadership is having the Spirit of God and a high sense of willingness to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And finally, the gift of mercy. We see um, Psalm 103.11 says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. Now, Pastor Chuck writes that mercy is a divine quality springing from the very character and nature of God. It's an attitude that develops from compassion 
from reaching out to help someone in need and is characterized by kindness and tenderness. We often define mercy as, as not receiving the punishment that we deserve. And th th that's a judicial kind of mercy. But at the same time, we, there are hearts of mercy in which it, it, it springs forth from compassion, seeing someone in need, seeing someone hurting, and desiring to minister to them. And so the gift of mercy is very, very appropriate for that. In 2 Corinthians 1.3, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. And he goes on in that passage to speak about receiving the comfort of God, mercy from God and his comfort, so that we, with that same comfort, can bring the comfort of God to others. When we receive God's comfort, when we receive his mercy, we're able to give it to others around us. A closing thought in terms of the gifts of the Spirit. You know, we, we just kind of zipped through this today. And, and as we continue through the book of Acts, beginning next week in chapter 11, verse 19, we're, we're going to be seeing these gifts in action. We'll point them out as we do. But a closing thought is this, and really a closing question. What we read in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, we, we, we read about the, 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 the gifts of offices that Jesus gives. Are, are these, do these comprise an exhaustive list of the gifts of God, the gifts of His Spirit? It's all we see in the Scripture. It's what we see in the New Testament. Is that it? I would say no. Then you might ask, well, what are the others? And I'll say, well, I don't know. But I say this for one reason. We, we can't put God in a box and say this is the only way that he, that he enables people to minister to others. You know, there is, a, there is a gift of leading, but I don't see anything in the Scriptures about a spiritual gift of leading worship, and certainly there are individuals who have that gift specifically tied to worship, right? That's just one example. But God will give you whatever you need. If you want to bless somebody, if you want to help somebody, if somebody needs to be ministered to, and you want to be used by God to minister to that person, God will give you whatever it is that you need to do that. And it may be on this list, it may not. Chances are it is. But it may not. You know, I, I, I'm, I, all, all I'm saying is don't limit yourself to that because other gifts may not be mentioned. But we've got to be careful because we can get kind of crazy with the thought of it also. I'm not saying that, 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 that you are permitted to go off the charts away from the Word of God to determine the way that you're going to serve Him. He gives us these things, but I'm just simply saying that, that let's just be open to what God is going to do. If your heart is to love another individual and you have mercy, you have compassion toward that individual, you want to help that individual, chances are one of these gifts can be used and, and bring that help. But what if there's something a little bit extra that God wants to do? He'll do it. He'll do it. This is be open to be used 
by God, for the profit of all, for being witnesses unto him, for service to God and service to others. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We do thank you for what you've shared with us in your word, the, the things that you've shown are these particular gifts. And, and, and Lord, if there are others uh, that, that you would, other ways that you'd want to use us, might we be open to that? But God, I pray that you would just simply have your way with us. Bottom line for each of us, Lord, is do we want to be used by you? Do we want to be used by you? Well, in order for that to take place, your Holy Spirit and his enabling power is essential. And so, Lord, we bow to you. We bow before you and ask that you will have your way in giving us these particular gifts. And guys, as our heads are bowed and as our eyes are closed right now, perhaps there are some here in the room who don't believe that you have been baptized with the Spirit of God. And you are not aware of whatever way that the Lord desires to gift you in order to serve him and to serve other people within the church and outside of the church too. If you are someone who just desires that, to be baptized with the Spirit, to receive spiritual gifts to enable you to serve and to be a witness to Jesus Christ, I'd love to pray for you. Just raise your hand, would you? If this is something that you desire. I see your hands raised. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, you'd see these hands that are raised. We pray that you will honor the hearts from which they come. Thank you, Lord, for men and women in your church who just simply desire to be used by you. And Lord, whether we have been baptized with your spirit or not, Lord, perhaps we forget on a daily basis to seek to be filled uh, with you, to be filled by you, Lord, so that we can be used by you on this particular day. Help us to get into that habit, Lord. But these, especially who raised their hands, I pray, Father, that you'd pour your spirit out upon them. And, Lord, that you'd make them aware of whatever spiritual gift you desire to give so that, God, they will be used by you in your service and to be a blessing to other people around them. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who's with us now. Might we continue to walk with him Walk with awareness of, of his uh, residence within us and, Lord, seeking that he will come upon us. Lord, to continue to be witnesses unto you, Lord Jesus, and to serve our brothers and sisters and those who are outside of the church as well. God, thank you, Lord. We love you. Have your way, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.